Hi, I'm Marina, and this is Diversify Your Narrative Podcast, the show where we unlearn the toxic ways of society in order to better understand ourselves and those around us. From psychology to politics and culture, we make sure that we learn to diversify our perspective on the world. Okay, so here's the thing. I'm pretty sure that if you've heard anything about feminism lately, and I know you have if you've listened to Monday's episode, you've heard the word patriarchy being thrown in there. Now, the thing is, whether it is in an academic context or women battling against it on social media, do you really know what patriarchy is referred to in a feminist perspective? What it is that us women talk about when we say that we want to smash the patriarchy? Well, on today's complimentary episode for uh, the History Month of Women, we'll talk about everything there is to talk about in patriarchy. So first, let's start off with a definition. When we talk about patriarchy, we talk about a system of social structures and practices in which cisgender heterosexual men, which are considered the patriarch, dominate people of other gender identities and marginalized sexualities, holding most positions of power and enjoying many privileges. Patriarchy permeates all social institutions, especially the household, the workplace, as well as the state, so it is an international issue. Although the patriarchy is set up in a way to benefit cis-head men, it can also be harmful to them in many ways, and we'll see in just a second. So for today's uh, episode and info, I'll be relying on Gaia Vinces. Vinces? I'm so sorry, I don't know how to pronounce uh, last names. Smashing the Patriarchy article on The Guardian. So, in a recent... A uh, survey or study from American Times Use survey, it discovered that fathers are happier, less stressed, and less tired than mothers. Not unrelated, surely, is a regular report that mothers do more housework and childcare than fathers, even when both parents work full time. When the primary breadwinner is the mother versus the father, she also shoulders the mental load of family management being three times more likely to handle and schedule their activities, appointments, holidays, and gatherings, organize the family finances, and take care of home maintenance, according to Slate, the U.S. website. Men, incidentally, are twice as likely as women to think household chores are divided equally. The patriarchy is not the natural human state, and that is something that we just have to get out of the way. It is, though, very real, Often a question of life and death. At least 126 million women and girls around the world are missing due to sex-selective abortions, infanticide or neglect, according to United Nations Population Fund figures. Women in some countries have so little power they are essentially infantilized, unable to travel, drive, even show their faces without male permission. The best paid jobs are mainly held by men, that is no secret. The unpaid labor mainly falls to women. Globally, 82% of ministerial positions are held by men. Whole fields of expertise are predominantly male, such as physical sciences, 
and women garner less recognitions for their contributions to the science. They have received just 2.77% of Nobel Prizes for Sciences. According to a variety of high-profile figures, mainly male, mainly psychologists, bolstered by professionships and no shortage of disciples, there are important biological reasons for why men and women have different roles and status in our society. One of them, Steven Pinker, for instance, has argued that men prefer to work with things, whereas women prefer to work with people. This, he said, explains why more women work in low-paid charity and healthcare sector rather than getting PhDs in science. As if it is just that easy, right? So according to Pinker, the occupation that fits best with the people and of the continuum is director of a community service organization. The occupation that fit best with things are physicists, chemists, mathematicians, computer programmers, and biologists. Others also deny societal sexism even exists, insisting that the gender roles we see are based on cognitive differences. Spoiler alert, men are more intelligent. The people who hold that our culture is an oppressive patriarchy they don't want to admit that the current hierarchy may be predicated on competence. Jordan Peterson said, for instance. His reasoning suggests that women would be happier not railing against it, but instead of serving their traditional gender roles. Such theories have been demolished by a range of scholars, including neuroscientist Gina Rippon and psychologist Cordelia Fine. There are certainly biological differences between men and women, no one is denying that, from their sexual anatomy to hormones, yet even this isn't as clear-cut as it seems. Men's brains are on the whole slightly larger than women's, and can reveal some differences in the size and connectedness of specific brain regions such as the hippocampus and large samples of men and women, and yet only a tiny percent, which is between 0 and 8%, of individual men and women turn out to be to have a typically men or female brain. Most people are somewhere in the middle, and whether someone has skills for maths, special awareness, leadership, or any other gendered attribute cannot be predicted from knowing their sex, as multiple studies have shown. Anatomically and cognitively, there are more differences within the two sexes between them. There is no evidence that women are any less capable of the jobs and social positions that men predominantly hold. When women are given the opportunity to hold male roles, they show themselves to be equally proficient, and sometimes even more proficient. Researchers recently calculated that it was bias against women, not under-representation, that accounts for gender distribution seen in Nobel Prizes, for instances. Um, women are not less intelligent, less logical, or less able than men. The roots of patriarchy, in other words, cannot be found in biology. Male supremacy, for all its ubiquity, is surprisingly recent. There's compelling evidence that patriarchal societies date back less than 10,000 years. Humans probably evolved as an egalitarian species and remained that way for hundreds of thousands of years. 
one clue is in the similar size of human males and females, which show the least disparity of all apes, indicating that male dominance is not the driving force in our species. In fact, equality between, equality between the sexes in our early ancestry would have been evolutionarily beneficial. Parents who, had, who were invested in both girls and boys, and the grandchildren from both, gave our ancestors a survival advantage because they fostered the critical wider-ranging social networks they depended on to exchange resources, genes, and cultural knowledge. Now, on the other hand, matriarchal societies may also have been more common in our ancestral communities. Strong female relationships would have helped to glue a larger community together, and being able to rely on friends to babysit would have given our ancestors the time and energy to support the group through food provision and other activities. Indeed, there are several societies where matriarchy is the norm, which include the cocoa farming bravery people of Costa Rica and the rice farming Minangkabau of Sumatra, Indonesia. Indonesia. I'm so sorry if I say names wrong. Um, these are communities in which women are the landowners and decision makers. In other words, humans are not genetically programmed for male dominance. It is not more natural for us to live in a patriarchy than in a matriarchy or indeed in an egalitarian society. In the same way, it's just as natural for humans to eat a paleo diet as it is to eat bubblegum flavored candy floss, to have sex as a man and a woman or as three men, to live in a straw hut or in a glass bubble beneath the ocean. This is because unlike any other animals, we are cultural beings. For our species, Culture is our nature, and key to understanding our behaviors and motivations. Social, technological, and behavioral invention are part of our nature, part of what it means to be human. We are driven by culture more than on instinct, and our culture influences our environment and our genes. Our extraordinarily flexible, collaborative culture allows us to make ourselves even as we attribute our successes and failings to our genes. That's not to say that just because a cultural trait has emerged, it is necessarily good. Patriarchal norms, for instance, are damaging to our health and our societies, increasing death and suffering and limiting humanity's creative potential. We are, though, neither slaves to our biology nor our social norms, even if we feel it that way. Human cultural conditioning begins at birth. Indeed, social norms even have an impact before birth, one study found that when pregnant women were informed of the sex of the baby they were carrying, they described its movements differently. Women who learned that they were carrying a girl typically described the movements as quiet, very gentle, more rolling than kicking. Whereas those who knew they were carrying a boy described very vigorous movements, kicks and punches, and a saga of earthquakes. Many of the ideas we consider universally held are simply the social norms in our own culture. Liberté, égalité, fraternité may be values worth dying for in France, for instance, but personal freedom is not considered important or desirable for other societies, which prioritize values such as purity instead. Consider the idea of responsibility. In many cultures, if you deliberately hurt a, a person or their property, it is considered a much worse crime than if you did it by accident. 
which this applies in Western cultures. But in other cultures, children and adults are punished according to the outcome of their actions. Intentionality is considered impossible to grasp and therefore largely irrelevant. The biological differences between males and females, or indeed between ethnic groups, tell us nothing about how intelligent, empathic, or successful a person is. Modern humans are 99.9% .9 genetically identical. Although we have expanded far beyond our tropical evolutionary niche over ten of tens of thousands of years, we have not speciated, we have not even diversified into different subspecies. Our ancestors have not needed to make dramatical biological adaptations to the very different environments we live in because instead we culturally evolved and diversify into a complexity of different, differently adapted cultures, each with their own social norms. It is our cultural development path, not our genes, that profoundly changes the way we think, behave and perceive the world. Studies comparing the neuroprocessing of populations of Westerns and East Asians, for example, shows that culture shapes how people look at faces. On one hand, Westerners strangulate their gaze over eyes and mouth, whereas East Asians centralize their focus. Language reveals our norms and shapes the way we think. Children who speak Hebrew, um, a, strong, a strongly gendered language, note their own gender a year earlier than speakers of non-gender Finnish. English speakers are better than Japanese speakers at remembering who and what caused an accident, such as breaking a base. That's because in English we say, Jimmy broke the base. Whereas in Japanese, the agent of causality is rarely used. It will say, the base broke. The structure that exists in our language profoundly shape how we construct reality. And it turns out that reality and our human nature differ dramatically depending on the language we speak. Our brains change and our cognition is required according to the cultural input we receive and respond to. Many of our social norms evolved because they improve survival, through group cohesion for instance, but social norms can also be harmful. There is no scientific basis for the belief that a person's skin color or sex has any varying on their character or intelligence. However, social norms can affect a person's behavior and their biology. Social norms that classify particular groups to the bottom of the social hierarchy encourage society to collude with that positioning, and those people who do worse in outcomes from wealth to health strengthen, strengthening the norm. A major study by researchers at Berkeley of 30,000 American shift workers found that black, Hispanic, and other minorities workers, particularly women, are much more likely to be assigned irregular schedules and the harmful repercussions of this were felt not just by them, but also by their children who fared worse. The danger of ascribing genetic and biological basis for our actions is that individuals and groups are not given equal opportunities in life, and they suffer. It is, after all, very convenient to believe that the poor are feckless and undeserving, morally weak or stupid rather than casualties of a deeply unfair systemic bias. Equally, it is more, much more appalling or appealing to think of one's own successes as down to some sort of innate personal brilliance rather than luck and social position.
If we persist in the idea that there is a natural, a best way to be human, then we blind ourselves to be to the great diversity of potential potential ways of being, thinking and feeling, and impose social limitations on those whose life's choices are not legitimate than uh, not less legitimate than ours. It's worth noting, though, that many norms that were once believed to be set in biological stone or ordained by gods have been changed by society, sometimes remarkably quickly. If we invented it, we can alter it. An accepted quote-unquote natural state that has existed for millennia can be changed in mere months. There is, of course, a lot of other things undergoing in the patriarchy system. Um, and I'm not going to name them. I probably will if I get the chance to in, in this month. But um, patriarchy is not just a, an issue as it is. And as I have explained before, it is, of course, a social construct. But it has become so attached to our society and our culture. And it has given people, especially men, so many privileges that it is just a huge battle of women against patriarchy, of getting patriarchy to lose its strength, its power that holds over women in order for it to crumble down. Because as um, Gaia Bimshu said, patriarchy is an accepted quote-unquote natural state and it has existed for years but it can't be changed because we invented it us human invented it and that's what we mean when women say let's smash the patriarchy either way somehow in the way that societies work especially our society it is not enough um, for us women to be born, to exist, in order for us to be, um, to deserve our integrity and dignity rights. So we have to find a way to tell men to open their eyes because patriarchy is also harmful for them. But you know, it's a greater good if it means we are getting rid of the patriarchy. Be my guest. We'll count down the things that why it it affects us negatively. So, how does the patriarchy affect us negatively? And this goes for both men and women. And this is like the close the closer of the complimentary episode. So first. Men are forced or encouraged not to share their emotions, which of course has its own um, repercussions on their health and mental health, especially in suicide rates. Men are forced into the stereotype that they are meant to be strong physically and mentally. It also comes down to mental health, you know. In a society where, where patriarchy does not exist, or exists, yeah, where it does not exist, 
We're talking about an open and honest communication about our feelings, whether you're a man or a woman. And we will share work in raising families equality and base our society on respect, love, and hope. There are, of course, a lot of things that go into that. Um, so it also rids women of this expectation of being emotional. And this also that um, patriarchy is ex uh, in patriarchy, women are expected to find a husband and be a good, a good wife at a young age, which I think I would go as far as to say that in some things we are we've broken out of this um, patriarchy misconceptions or conceptions. Uh, also, patriarchy for women who who speak up or are loud are seen as ignorant and rude. Um, men are expected to earn a lot of money and work a well-paid and consistent job. Men feel like they need to be in competition to be stronger than other men. It also pushes the stereotypes of everyone being heterosexual. Uh, being a feminine man is seen as weak and weird, and women are pushed aside by men and feel like they are not as good as their male colleagues. So yeah, I mean, getting rid of patriarchy basically means just being happy, you know? Being comfortable in your own body, in your own life, as you are, and evolve and um, develop as a person as you would like to, without anyone side-eyeing you for your choices, without impossible expectations, and you would just have to worry about yourself, what you think about yourself, what makes you happy, what makes you have hope. How do you want to grow up? So I think that that's something to think about if you are willing to be an ally to feminism and you want to smash the patriarchy. And that concludes today's episode. It was great having you listen to the podcast today. Remember that you can follow us on Instagram at Diversify Your Narrative. Without further ado, We'll catch up later on the next episode of Diversify Your Narrative.